Check, 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 one, two. All right, all right, all right. We are live now, Mr. Aaron. Yo, yo. What up? How's it going? Good, good, good. Yeah, we're uh, trying out this new remote podcast thing with uh, Skype and uh, all these cool embedded features and stuff. <laughs> Having a little bit of technical difficulty, but we got it going. Yeah, we make do. We make it work. Yeah, man. Um, I'm kind of excited. Well, one, to try out all the hardware to see if it works properly and all. Um, but also because, uh, you know, you're still in the Bay Area. For 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 everyone that tunes into my podcast regularly, um, they know I, I lived in the Bay Area before. And I'm originally from L.A., so I made a lot of friends out there. And Aaron being one of my good friends that still hangs out up there. So, yeah, man, I had a lot of catch up to do with you. Wanted to ask you a bunch of questions about what's going on in the Bay Area right now in terms of uh, cycling and, uh, you know, in general, you know, COVID and how it's affected everyone. But also, you know, about you, what's going on with you and, you know, um, how are things up there? So uh, with without further ado, the homie Aaron on the pod. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's, a, that's one heck of an intro. Yeah, I mean, I... Um... I moved to the Bay Area about five years ago. I'm originally from Seattle, so I've been kind of all over since then. Uh, like moved out of the house when I was 16, like popped around towns for a while. But it's the longest I've been in one place for for a while, um, and I really like it up here. And yeah, no, I got really lucky to meet you and uh, you and your brother Josh uh, um, when I did, and I like I had a lot of fun at your guys' shop and. You guys kind of sucked me into the uh, SF cycling scene, which is my pretty much my entire life now, um, especially with COVID. So I'm grateful. I actually owe you for that. So thank you. <laughs> no, no, that's rad. Honestly, um, you know, there's a lot of people in SF and it's a big city full of people that come from all over the place. Right. There's like, uh, you know, it's SF is known for like when the holidays roll around. There's hardly anyone there because everyone Empty. goes back to their hometowns, you Empty, know. Bro. So I mean, SF is kind of known for that. But uh, originally, like, where'd you come out to SF from? Um, I came out from Santa Barbara. I uh, well, outside small town called Ojai. I lived two years there. I finished up high school there, and um, yeah, I came out came out here for college, and kind of taking a break from that right now. That's uh, online was fun until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. Yeah, and, you know, talking about bikes and stuff, like, well, I had the bike shop up there for a little while, I think something like three years, and it was cool while it lasted. There was a lot of cool things going on. Um, unfortunately, cost of living got went real high, and it got a little difficult yeah. for us to stay. But, um, you know, I, I do miss riding my bike out there, man. It's one of my, you know, man, look at look, look at I'm a little heavier set right now. <laughs> I wish I was Man, on my just bike. Had a son. You should be eating and sleeping and, and like there's <laughs> nothing wrong with being a little heavier set right now. I did just have a baby. Um so little Olin was born three weeks ago. So that's been yeah, really see, exciting. Three weeks ago? Like <laughs> you shouldn't be doing anything but that right now. No, uh, you know, it's it's babies are kinda cool. Like it's not how people make it out to be. Like it's not like babies are that uh, like people make it sound like oh babies are gonna be so hard to take care of and this and that. but honestly i find like 
if you're a responsible adult in any kind of way, you should be all right with a baby, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's not that big a deal. So I, I'm grateful that, you know, new things happening in, in my life. And, you know, I still have another bike shop down here. So I still try and do bike stuff. And I still yeah, try and, you know, music I mean, you stuff. Say, you say another bike shop, but it's basically the same bike shop. You just moved it to L.A. Yeah, it's just, it's the same. It's all literally it's the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's the same bike shop, essentially. No, you're absolutely right. And move it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, so tell like, well, there's a few interesting topics I want to bring up with you besides um, bike stuff. But um, I've been because like the bike scene before I left San Francisco was kind of like active. You know, there was a lot of um, messenger bike stuff going on. Are you still participating in the SFBMAs? I see you got the sweatshirt rocking right now. Yeah, I gotta rep it. Yeah, the SFBMA is in a in a tough spot, like along with everybody else right now. Um, I mean, like probably the core, the soul of it was the meetings and the events, and like I, what you saw on the surface was probably a lot of the alley cats. And I'm sure you were a little bit more involved than like the average individual, just because like you were, you know, um, sponsoring events and hosting stuff at your shop. Um, so there was that, but yeah, um, right now I think it's tough because a lot of the, the messengers that were really heavily involved at the core of the BMA were kind of older. And so now it's like, well, they can't really meet on zoom or Skype because bike messengers don't know how the fuck to work zoom or Skype. Shit. We could barely funk, make it work right now. <laughs> and we're like what? 24, 27. So yeah, it gets, I can see why you, that's a good point. You know, a lot of these guys, they're rudimentary, you know, they're they're not about participating in, you know, public social life. So I could see why, you know, they. Yeah. And like they're, they're cool guys. They loved going to the meetings. But like, I don't think I mean, you know, some of them necessarily even own smartphones, you know, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of a tough one. Um, but that being said, I think Rossi has done a really good job trying to keep it alive. Rossi's president right now this year. Uh, the 415 King. Shouts out to him. He's on Instagram. Shout out. Quite the personality. If you want to follow somebody that is entertaining then, uh, <laughs> no you're you're i follow you on instagram you you put a bunch of cool stuff on there i mean i'm curious to know what everyone is doing up there in terms of yeah yeah, stuff, yeah. You know? yeah but i oh, feel I it just, I, I was talking to your viewers uh but yeah oh yeah yeah no yeah. yeah hopefully we get rossi on here one of these days i spoke to him recently he was uh down here for um the some some race in Echo, yeah Echo Park yeah Cranksgiving yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. we were uh, chatting a little uh, bit about that LABMA threw that on huh yeah yeah so we we did um a lot of those uh, a lot of SF guys were down here I, we saw Rossi we saw um a few other guys it was it was it was cool um that's about the last thing we did in terms of like cycling events even down here COVID has has been kind of it's been a thing everywhere you know it's 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 kind yeah. of I mean, we get a lot of flack on the messenger meme pages. I don't know if you follow any of those, but like, there's definitely like New York and SF for the two cities that are, get a lot of shit for like not necessarily adhering to COVID rules. And I could understand why that would look like that based on what people see on Instagram. And you know, like, I will not deny it. There's definitely been some times where I'm like, yo, this is kind of sketchy throwing a race in the middle of this. But for the most part, any of the events that I'd been to was kind of over the summer when I saw a lot of people out and about we were definitely not the only ones which you know isn't necessarily a valid excuse but like i feel like specifically within this messenger community it's very tight-knit like we really only hang out with each other and that's in the bike scene 
as well. Yeah, so it's absolutely. Like, I mean, they definitely were trying to enforce masks and gloves and all that stuff, but it's it's really like I feel like it for some of the people like the core messengers. It's they're a family, you know. Like they see each other every single day. Those are the people that you hang out with. Those are the people who go over to your, each other's houses. Half of them live together, so it's like. Is it kind of dangerous? Yeah. And, like, we are kind of exposed because we go around from place to place and interact with a lot of people. But at the same time, we're out outdoors all days, open ventilated. You know, we'll, contactless delivery has become a thing. And shit, like, the, uh, the original goal of most bike messengers was to get in and out, drop whatever you got to do. It's not about the package. It's about delivering the package so. yeah yeah and and you still you're still working as a hundred percent like are you still doing career work and stuff like this not a hundred percent no i kind of shifted from that um because i was doing school so i i came up kind of went over to mike's bikes which is a bike shop uh, i went corporate <laughs> i sold out <laughs> but you're doing so you're doing bike mechanic work um i'm doing sales work i'll do mechanic work like occasionally just to help or, out or, or and, bike shop uh, work in general bike shop they work didn't in... have uh they didn't have any mechanics positions available so that's I was rad just, like, i'll take what i can get no you yeah, know i mean right now i'm kind of getting on the slow days i'm getting paid to do my s tech certification which is like my shimano technical certification <laughs> yeah get that i got it you know get get to be a trek yeah. ninja get your uh um dirt degree <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. Where's my wrench is at? And my defense wrench. I'm glad to know that, you know, nothing is like too, you know, that things haven't changed dramatically. I I have seen like I know maybe if you've watched the Los Angeles news, local news recently, there's been a lot of um you know, cr- different types of crises that have occurred since COVID. You yeah. can say uh, like for example, like murder is up like 70%, you no know. Kidding. Yeah, uh, Governor Newsom put on, and Mayor Garcetti in LA put on some different strategic, like uh, moratoriums, so homeless people aren't allowed to really be moved or reallocated. So there's like a terrible homeless problem right now in in LA. Yeah. It's like all the streets are getting flooded. Like it's ridiculous. There's fires that are you know just like from territory disputes between different homeless people. They're lighting each other's shit on fire and stuff. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, bro. Venice Beach, beautiful city. You know, tourists go there, hang out. It's always been a little grungy, but man, man now like, like now it's like tent city. You know what I mean? It's as if Skid Row has grown and advanced and moved throughout the whole LA area as opposed I mean, to where lo- like it's localization. You know, we're gonna see more of that too because. Like, we're one of the only countries that have had very, very little help from the government. You know? Like, they didn't, they gave us what? Like, extended unemployment and a couple of stimulus checks. Like, at that, bro, at that. People's rents not being taken care of. There's going to be like families. I mean, for me, I think it's really brought home how close to, how close to being homeless so much of America is. Everyone's on the brink. You know what I mean? Everyone's fucking teetering right now. And um, the people in charge don't give a shit. Yo, it's crazy. And the corruption that has, like, spread throughout California is incredible, bro. All the way from the bottom, all the way to the top. Have you seen the, uh, in in San Francisco, uh, Nancy Pelosi's house was, like, um, yeah, vandalized? They put, <laughs> they, put, uh, they put pig's blood and they, they chopped the head off and they said, we want the money now. And <laughs> that I was, was like, hilarious, yeah, bro. Yes, that's sick. <laughs> You know, and this has become like I feel like there's a lot of bipartisan, uh, you know, uh, or 
problems are getting so bad that they're no longer polarized. It's no longer like yeah. a Democrat or Republican thing. Now it's a hey, we're getting fucked kind of thing. You know what I mean? And well, it doesn't matter who the, you which are. Which is the problem all around, all along. Yeah. So now, um, like you, you wanted to bring up another subject that I find really interesting as well, um, which goes hand in hand with all this corruption is that now that we can clearly see that it doesn't really matter all poor people are treated the same whether you're a trump supporter or a democrat biden supporter it doesn't matter all poor people are treated the same just look at the uh um the stock market incident with gamestop and all of that stuff that's been, been happening following this very closely it, well, says, it says a lot very closely but pretty darn closely i mean so so, I mean, if you haven't heard about this, you've been kind of living under a rock. And what's crazy to me is the the fact that I've kind of been – I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened, but, like, something will go on that, it, like, it breaks – the news – the story breaks on the internet in specific communities, right? And so if you're not involved in that community or if you're not on, like, social media apps or, you know, if you're kind of following a lot of the – I don't want to say mainstream stuff, but, like, if you're not following – if you're just if you're just following following meme pages, you're not going to see it. But um, and then the, the the story breaks and the media catches up and it becomes this big whole thing. And then you know it's crazy to see how it's reported one way versus like how it was experienced. So it, in order to like you know summarize and not be rambling, uh, basically what happened was there's this Reddit page that's been run by. Um, a bunch of like quote unquote finance bros. Um, since 2012, it's been active, but it's been gaining you know quite a bit of steam. And basically, they were just gaming the stock market. And this wasn't like this wasn't some unorganized group of trolls. It wasn't a bunch of you know unemployed people in their mom's basement. <laughs> this is just smart people that are that are getting together and saying you know like i don't want to have to go play the wall street game i don't want to have to go and find some hedge funds somewhere and talk to some broker and have to you know do all that like i know i'm going to do my homework and read you know on investment strategy and do all yeah. this stuff and i'm going to talk about it and i'm going to post about and it technology technology has a lot to do with that right like if you look oh, absolutely, 100%. at uh, you know usually people didn't have access to even you know most most of the stock market just because of the entry which well, first you'd have to have money to invest and then second right. you'd have to be informed and and you'd have to go through brokers and there was like a whole like monopoly well, or but now with apps like Robinhood you know you can just yeah, download an app on your that phone was, that was the big uh, barrier to entry was a brokerage terminal right and so if you had a certain you had to have like I don't know the exact barrier to entry or the requisites for it but but basically i mean it's kind of crazy to think about how even the average person can't necessarily just decide oh i want to buy this stock you know yeah yeah i mean you, you have to you... either be in new york on wall street and like walk up to a terminal and physically enter your order which you know i can't do i'm in san francisco <laughs> or you have to go into a brokerage fund and then like pay a middleman and so it's like there's all of these little things that are designed to, to to keep your money away from you and and into the pockets of you know the people that want to do that sort of thing yeah absolutely and that's, that's the same thing that happened with robin hood they make a certain percentage of every trade but so the story goes um a group of people got together and noticed that a hedge fund was shorting a stock and so that was basically that they borrowed a bunch of stocks and then sold them all 
and then they were going to have to buy those stocks at whatever price they ended up at. Which was going to be lower because their prediction, they're betting on that that GameStop was going under. And so, yeah, they were saying, okay, you know, like this is a dying industry, retail's dying, you know, yada, yada, and we're selling all these stocks. And when the price in the stock falls or when they, people see that someone's selling, a lot of the buyers will say, a lot of people that, that hold those stocks will say, oh, okay, people are selling, it's time for me to sell because it just starts like a chain reaction kind of avalanche thing. Right, So right. the Wall Street bets people kind of noticed that. Um, well, not only did they short it, they really fucking shorted it. They were trying to squeeze it down to like, like from like I think it was like a twelve fourteen dollars down to like two dollars three dollars and they were trying to make a lot of money betting on this. Yeah, and sometimes and, uh, you know the little man will notice something like that, and and these aren't just the little men, you know. I mean, like part of that is is Reddit is kind of a place where a lot of people get together. There's a bunch of different cool communities. Um, it's kind of gotten blown out in some places. Like, I don't mean little men like little people oh. i mean like uh no i know what you mean i know what you everyone said, i was just saying yeah everyone like, but the bit but you know hedge funds basically right right <laughs> exactly sometimes like you know uh the little man does notice but 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 what, I, what i'm trying to say is that these are not just like you know your average like internet trolls like this is like people that are you know have a strategy have a plan and like they would get together and they would start strategizing and would start thinking about the stock market they they're smart people but then what happened was the wall street bets page took notice of this and then they they started posting on this and they said fuck this fuck you melvin capital um which was the hedge fund that was shorting and we're gonna take our stimulus checks and we're gonna take whatever we've got and we're just gonna fucking fling it into gme or gamestop and so they drove the price up from whatever it was it's like two three dollars or twelve dollars to like $320 at its peak. And that was in like a day or two days. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was insane. It just shot up and like people were pissed. Those hedge funds were fucking furious. They were going all over um, posting about like, like, like they would go on like Jim Cramer, like the money to money ball. They were like on C-SPAN, MSNBC, all that sort of places, just kind of like saying that these are trolls and this is a dangerous game and they're playing with the economy. Like they're, they were complaining about all of the things that they themselves do. And so the Wall Street Bets page was like, okay, fuck you guys even harder. We love fucking with you. We're not going to sell shit. We're going to buy more. And then Elon Musk got involved. And I got a little side note on that. Elon Musk is an opportunist. He saw this happening and he was like, LOL, buy GME and buy Dogecoin, which we'll get to that later. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other topic. That's that's blockchain and and uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah, cryptocurrency. But and then Elon Musk and um, another I forget his name, but he was owner of a venture capital company. He posted, um, you know, he posted in support of Wall Street Bets. And so the traffic that got driven to Wall Street Bets uh, Reddit page, like, closed down the rest of Reddit. Like, they shut down the Reddit servers. And this is not a small website. This is something that's used to, um, you know, traffic of multi-millions of users a day. But, like, so many people got wind of this and were, like, trying to figure it out. And there was trolls and people were saying that there were uh, Wall Street bots taking over and infiltrating the the page and uh, yeah yeah i heard like yo the amount of like 
rumor things people make like first of all it's okay for for people to speculate on what's happening um and and they get away with it but it's really strange when you see the news doing exactly that and and, and for it's it's kind of obvious like for example like as soon as we saw that um um wall street bets these guys on reddit started bringing up the price right uh these these hedge funds they go to borrow money right they're like oh shit we got to get out of this hole and they can't get out of the hole the hole's getting deeper right There's, very deep yeah so so now so the hole's getting deeper and and people on reddit are really like yes we're winning the fight let's keep going well the the, the hole's getting deeper because the price is worth more so the hedge fund is exactly. going to have to yeah. buy all of those That's, shares that they predicted were going to be like stupid cheap and that that equals them losing a lot yeah, of money. The whole money than they the whole gets deeper to. for them. Like and let's not billions. forget, let's not forget that that they are shorting the stock that, and they're they're capitalizing on a company going under. It's like, it's like making money from a dead corpse essentially. They're like really yes. like you know like so that and they're trying to drive it into the ground just to just to make money just off. To, of yeah, it. exactly. Don't... And so a lot of people kind of hem and haw about, you know, like the stock market being an actual indication of like the economic viability of whatever company's property. And that's bullshit. It's a fucking casino. It's a slot machine. Yeah, it's all it is is bets. But so yeah. let, let so all right. So these uh, hedge fund guys, they're betting that this company is going to go under. They do this. They have been doing this for years. You know what I mean? They years. do it to everybody. So finally, here comes some guys, and they do the opposite. They, you know, instead of shorting a stock, you. they raise the stock, right? And this it's, is, it's called a short squeeze. Yeah, there's, and that's not an uncommon thing. That's been done to hedge funds by other hedge funds before. Right. Yeah. But, so, so what? Where do these people run when they have a problem? Uh, first of all, everyone who is in Wall Street is against regulations the they they don't want government regulations because it's no. going to make them uh lose money essentially their hustles are going to be you know yeah. less of a hustle but with more regulations but all of a sudden these same guys that never want regulation all of a sudden they're on cnn like please uh you know we have to do something we got to regulate these markets like they're calling for regulation oh, on live television manipulation this is illegal and but it's and not yada, it's, and they're getting together to fuck with us and that's that's not okay when when what what's crazy is when the markets crashed in 2008 wall street got bailouts you know yeah yeah they definitely did and then now they got handouts and now that it's like we're trying to squeeze them or the markets crashed for us what happens when the american people lose everything that's been invested in the market nothing yeah, we, 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 it's like, we get nothing. I, I, I think of it this way, which is the same for me playing the credit game. Um, you know, the credit, social credit point game. It, it's like playing at the casino. The house always wins. You know what I yeah. mean? The odds yes. are against you. And when, when, what happens if you go to a casino and you play and you win a little too often? They say They'll you're cheating. They'll throw you out. They'll throw yeah. you out. Yeah, so you're not allowed to win. Even if you do win, you're not allowed to win. You know what I mean? You're only there to lose. So if you go to Wall Street and you play their game, right, with their rules that they put in place, and you win, it's like, oh, wait a minute. 
Oh, we got to change the rules. Change the rules because <laughs> you can't win. Yeah, hey, this is not supposed to happen. I can't let you win. Hey, government, please help me. Uh, these guys well, are. The <laughs> Who is the house, right? Like, who's the casino in this metaphor? And I mean, the the fucking Wall Street bankers are playing games with our money. You know. Well, it's no coincidence to me that the mainstream media was quick to demonize the Wall Street Reddit guys, make them look like weird neo-Nazi Trump supporter weird dudes in the basement that jerk off kind of guys and then at the same time make it look so they vilify the everyday guy that was you know engaged in this behavior and then they are going to victimize the hedge fund guys i thought you know since when does cnn suck up to billionaires poor billionaires poor billionaires and to me, it's only one, only one vacation home. They got to sell the yacht. What are they going to do? <laughs> and it's kind of obvious that, you know, that's they're calling in favors. You know, media is probably no kidding. Well, yeah, they yeah. probably fucking own the media. Yeah. I mean, Rupert Murdoch has a fucking media empire. He's a billionaire <laughs> from Australia. And exactly. He's, he's the one that fucking bought Fox News, bought. Um, what was it? Fucking. There's like a right-wing media in Britain, and he's the one who's been pushing all of this, and is probably largely responsible for the for the rise and resurgence in like right-wing extremism because he makes money off of it and it pushes his own agenda. So it's fucking hilarious to me that the media, who you know has created this problem, is now saying that we, you know, are the problem. That's that's another note, but. <laughs> Um, and let's talk about um, all right. So we we can see the the old dinosaur conglomerates like the um, like well, Wall here's, Street. Here's the here's the one point that I want to fucking hammer home because this is crazy. So what happened? Now GameStop is not valued at worth what it's worth. Let me just really just quickly just see what it's worth right now. Uh, GameStop is worth sixty dollars. It's down five percent. Um, uh, that. That is from when the markets opened. It was worth seventy-five this morning. Uh, over five days, it's on a downward trend. Its its last peak was at like one fourteen on the second. So today's the eighth. Uh, yeah, that's dramatic. What happened? Though. How did that happen? So Friday comes along. Friday's the day. All this stuff went down on a Wednesday. Like. Thursday or Friday comes along, and Friday is the day that um, all of the hedge funds are going to have to buy back the stocks. Um, well, there's a finite amount of stocks. There's only so many that you can buy, right? And if the Wall Street Bets guys aren't selling theirs, then the, the hedge funds are going to have to pay you know, like if people aren't selling the stocks, then there's no reason that the stock should be going down. There's a supply and demand thing, you know, and the demand for the stocks is so high that they're valued at, you know, $375. So Citadel is another hedge fund um, that bails out Melvin Capital um, and they buy them out and start to help them out. Citadel also runs a controlling interest in Robinhood, which is the app that allowed all of this in the first place. So Robinhood takes away the buy option for GameStop, which is illegal. That is market manipulation. 
you should not be allowed to do that. Only technically, they think the Fed chair or um, I forget who, but it's supposed to be a financial governing body that is able to do that, not an independent citizen or an independent corporation. So what that does is that that means that you can no longer buy GameStop stock through Robinhood. You can only sell. And so all of these people who are, you know, rightfully desperate and hungry and, you know, probably got bills to fucking pay, decide that they want to try and sell to make a profit off of this. You know, like some people like literally could have made millions off of maybe like a couple thousand dollars that they invested in GameStop. Right. They're just going to they're going to sell when it's high. Right. But yeah. But the downside to that is that it drives the price down for everybody else. So Melvin Capital doesn't lose as much money. So it becomes this dichotomy of do I as a person who's in a period of, you know, mass insecurity, financial insecurity, I, the average Joe, want to keep uh, the money that I've kind of, you know, made. Do I want to cash my chips in to continue to use that casino method uh, metaphor or am I going to hold this stock and really squeeze these fuckers? Like, do I want to make them pay or do I want to make a lot of money? And um, some people have decided, you know, we've got hands made of diamonds and we're going to fucking hold. Someday we'll get enough money to buy chicken tendies, which is, you know, <laughs> Wall Street bet slang. Um, but not today. Like, I'll forgo the tendies to see the look of anger on these Wall Street bets guys' face. So Robin Hood did that. And the, the price has been kind of slowly declining because the people, the powers that be, the works behind the scenes have just been trying to kind of drive that price down right and people have been probably selling some i mean you know if you have a need you have a need panicked yeah yeah and and then you know and we're like you know like we've lost a lot and so the 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 reddit's kind of in disarray i mean there's a thing when you're winning when we're all winning together there's this movement it feels good you want to jump on you want to be a part of that but you know when you're losing when you're down when you realize that maybe you sank you know, some of your savings that you shouldn't have in this. And maybe it isn't necessarily worth it to you to make all these hedge funds. Then that's what they want. They want you to they, – they don't want you to be able to play this game because for them the consequences aren't real, you know. They've got insurance against these things. They've got savings. They've got so much more assets than us that we're like – they're never going to have to worry about, you know, where their next meal is going to come from. And like the, the way I see it though – the it, it, it's not so much uh, that every like these things are starting to occur more and more frequently than usual, but it isn't because um, it, it, we have more access to more resources that allow us to compete in markets that we weren't able to compete before. Exactly. But it's also because the game is changing that, you know, what I call these like dinosaur media, dinosaur entities that have been around for a really long time, have been doing the same thing for a really long time. They haven't really adjusted their rules to the new playing field. You know what I mean? The playing field is changing. Just take a look at oh, every yeah. everything that's being hit. Like, first of all, the, these monopolies, these like uh, social media monopolies like Facebook and Twitter, the, there's Parler. And what did, what did they do? Shut Parler down. Well, you know, Parler... Parler, they shut down for two reasons. Um, Parler, like, they were literally looking for the excuse after 
um, the whole insurrection thing to 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 clamp down. But um, Parlor was hosted on an Amazon Web Service thing. Parlor was never like a legitimate, crazy, like powerful social media website. Um, yeah, right. But so let's talk about what. So Amazon, Amazon has besides just like Jeff Bezos, you know, uh, Amazon Prime and selling goods. There's another half to it that Jeff Bezos wasn't the CEO of, which is their cloud services, which they provide to all websites, right? So now, well, that have... was Amazon's money maker. That was like that wasn't even like, or just another part of it, or a half of it, or even like, you know, this is the section over here. The Amazon Web Services like makes up, I think, a majority of the um, revenue that Amazon right. generates. That's, that's where the power is, and that's so, where the money's in. So they have like these huge servers, and they're basically they monopolized the data that comes through the internet and they said, Hey, instead of having a lot of individual people with individual servers and in their own websites that have full authority over everything that they post, we can create dependencies of people who borrow our services from us, which will then cause for us to be, have manipulation control over these people. So now think of it this way. Like, if you go post a video on YouTube, YouTube can copyright strike you. If you go write something on Twitter, Twitter can delete you. And now, if you go and create your own website and you use servers that aren't yours, uh, guess what? Amazon's going to take your servers down. You know, They're going to take your website down. So now the only resort you have to being an independent creator of any kind is to literally have the resources to start a server farm that can host lots of internet traffic where you can upload your own content that's really the only way you can avoid uh takedowns and it doesn't even stop there like it goes beyond that now we're talking internet services now we're talking you can get a letter in the mail from spectrum or from xfinity or from time warner that's gonna say hey actually uh you can't have this much bandwidth wherever you're located and you need these special permits and it's really impossible you know what i mean give me a, i gotta i gotta take five minutes to switch my laundry but mm, do i have some shit to say <laughs> about that no worries go ahead uh, i'll pull up right some back. links for all the other viewers <laughs> my man's gonna go do some laundry now but let's pull up i have so many links um related to the subject but we can't pull them up on the skype view um, but here we can pull up some of them that we were talking about. Let's see. Let's start with Wall Street Bets and Parler and Robinhood, which are the two main apps that were taken down recently. Which hasn't come back, by the way. I've I've tried to uh, log into Parlor several times. They said it might have been down for like a week at most. Still dead. Um, doesn't function. Let's let's read there. Let's see. This is Google's take on Parlor. Parlor is an American alt tech microblogging and social networking service. It has significant user base of Donald Trump supporters, conservatives, conspiracy theorists, and right wing extremists. Posts on the service often contain far-right content 
anti-Semitism, and conspiracy theories such as QAnon. Yo, <laughs> that is wild. This is straight off of Wikipedia. Of course, gonna, it's going to come out right on top. So, I mean, man, they, they were booted from all of the major uh, major services. It's kind of ridiculous. This is why even I'm looking for alternatives. Um, Y'all could go add me on Space Hay if you guys don't have Space Hay yet. Check, check, check. Put your mic on, boy. Yo. I see you in my phone, Aaron, but I don't see you in my Skype on the screen. Did you end the call or something? <whistles> Looks like your camera's pointed at like the wall or something. Try again, yeah. Wait for it. Wait. Oh, there we go. There we go. Good now. Me? Yep. Perfect. All right. Tight. Sick. Um, have you heard of Mastodon? Mastodon, no. I've heard of Mastodon as being a good alternative for um, social media. Okay, where were we? We were on... Yeah, social media. I was pulling up... Uh, have you heard oh, of... Oh, tech, tech companies having the dominance and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was looking... Check this out. I was looking at Parler's... Uh, like, this is well, what... so here's the crazy shit about Parler. Is Parler had like some of the worst user data encryption ever. Um, there was a hacker that managed to... to to download like a lot of information, like terabytes worth of information, like all the archive posts, yada, yada, before probably got shut down. And that hacker released it. Basically the situation was, um, they got a bunch of, um, posts and data and information and organizing related to the capital rights. So that hacker was kind of trolling through there, trying to find that information handed into the feds. And get people arrested, basically. That's hilarious. I wanted to read you uh, Parler. Uh, you know, the Google search says, Parler is an American alt-tech microblogging and social networking service. It has a significant user base uh, consisting of Donald Trump supporters, conservatives, mm -hmm. conspiracy theorists, mm -hmm. right-wing extremists. Uh, posts on the surface often contain far-right content, anti-Semitism, and conspiracy theories such as QAnon. <laughs> it's hilarious to be honest speaking of anti-semitism did you hear about the congresswoman who believes in the jewish space lasers uh what's her name um marjorie taylor green to be honest like i think they're like like she is kind of irrelevant in 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 the world of uh of people that have power in politics i think they're just kind of so yes and no they're drilling in that nail they're really hammering and hammering it i think it's because mostly they want uh, they want people to hyper-focus on that. Uh, you saw um, freaking AOC came on. Um, first, she was crying about the the Capitol riots, literally crying like with tears. And then she went and made up a crazy story that she was in the Capitol uh, and that supposedly 
you know, she was there when the raid happened and she was scared for her life and she she heard noises and she ran down a hall. Like she made up with this crazy story. Now they're calling her AOC Smollier or Smullet or whatever. <laughs> so there there's a lot of like iffy, weird like capitalization on the on the attack on the um on the on oh, yeah, the capital the attack. Smollett thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 basically I feel like a lot of this is coming down to it's just being politicized, you know, like something happened, a bunch of bozos run into the capital. Obviously, I think what we're seeing is definitely a shakeup of the status quo. And I think that some the powers that be don't like that when things get shook up like that. um, You know, people get nervous like there are a lot of people that stand to gain a lot of money from a the pandemic and b, um, you know, systems of power and control maintaining and saying that the way that they are. Yeah, that's Uh, what I meant when I was saying that I don't think that it's necessarily like. I think it's just the fact that the game board is changing and the rules haven't been adjusted yet. For example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Wall Street bets thing and Robin Hood and then somebody actually getting got for, for once. And then now uh, social media giants like Facebook and Twitter uh, and now the option for alternatives like Parler, even if they're getting taken down, the fact that they're being made and then getting taken down, it shows that, well, you know, people I mean, are trying to get through the back door, you know? Well, 20 years ago, Facebook and and all this stuff doesn't exist. I didn't grow up. Like, I grew up hearing about MySpace and AOL, and then, yeah, I got a Facebook when I turned 11. Um, but, like, you know, Yeah, but th- think about it this has- way. Like, remember when, uh, when MySpace hit? I was around for a little while. It was the newest, biggest, coolest thing. Right, and right, then, right. you know, the next thing came out, Facebook, right? And, I, oh, everyone hopped onto Facebook. Facebook was cool. And then Facebook kind of started getting boring, so then Instagram came out, right? And but then, then Instagram got bought out by by Facebook. So this Facebook. is this is where the problem started. The 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 conglom they started conglomerating. They started creating these like huge entities monopolization. They started buying everyone out. So now something like Instagram comes out, right? Instagram gets boring after a little while uh, because Facebook owns it. They made it boring, so kids move on to Snapchat, right? Sna- well, they didn't just just make it boring. I mean, they ruined it with advertisements and other bullshit. Yes. You know, so now yes. the kids move That's on to Snapchat. Snapchat's around now. Everyone loves Snapchat. So what does Instagram do? Hey, Snapchat, can we buy you out? And they're like, Nah, no, we're gonna be the guy. Like you said, we're gonna hold on to our diamonds, and we're not gonna let you buy us out. So what did Instagram do? What did Facebook Rip do? Off Snapchat. <laughs> they're like, Well, fuck you. Then we're gonna create Instagram Stories, right? <laughs> And they were like, oh, shit. But turns out that was a bad idea because Snapchat's still around. And next thing, kids are bored with Snapchat. They move on to TikTok. Okay, TikTok's around. Uh, you know, the conglomerates don't like it. So, you know, oh, we're going to ban it uh, because it's a Chinese company. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know? because it's, it's – well, I mean, it's Chinese spyware, right? Supposedly. But now, but now what pops out? Coincidentally, right after the allegation that TikTok is a Chinese company full of spyware, who who what does Instagram do next? Oh, Instagram Reels. reels. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, if we so, couldn't buy out TikTok or get rid of them, fuck it, we'll just create our own. I am on TikTok, and it's a interesting thing because I feel like even 
in like the year that I've been on it, it's changed quite a bit. Like the, the style of videos, the things that become popular. And I feel like the algorithms are really the game changer for TikTok because, and I think this is the genius of the app, you know, anybody can be on there. Literally, I have seen content that is specifically tailored to people that are interested in mid-century American architecture from the like from the 1700s. Yeah, I've seen all kinds of weird. Uh, to be honest, I don't, I'm I'm not on TikTok and I don't use it because uh, I haven't had the chance to really explore it yet. But I do see that a lot of people are on there. They make a lot of you know interesting viral videos and stuff. And even I've seen microbiologists go on there and make certain you know shots of certain things. And like just it's full of a lot marine of marine biologists that have like tank setups in their house are posting shit and getting popular. Like it is it is the opposite of Instagram in that I feel like Instagram is a very glamorized, um, fetishized, like highly stylized. Um, well, it it became that after and after yeah. Facebook gained ownership. Took over right. the algorithm. And, well, I mean, and, I feel like at, even at the beginning, you know, with the filters and all of that sort of thing, it was presenting a, a version of yourself. And yeah, I mean, it, it went from being like posting pretty photos to like, oh my God, check out my ass and this product right next yeah. to it. Yeah, it used to be, I think it used to be like a tool for people that were creating things. And, you know, it was like a marketing tool almost, right? You could create a page for your thing and try and sell your thing or get known for your thing, right? But then out of nowhere, it just became just a huge advertisement. Like everyone's Instagram is a huge ad for themselves. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it's just really strange. The model has shifted. So this Have is you heard of... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Have you heard of Web 3.0? No, no, I haven't. So, I mean, I've I've heard a little bit of chatter about it, and part of me is a little hesitant. Part of me is like, oh, this is a marketing strategy for some people that want to try and make more money than Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. And part of me is like, well, no, this has potential. So, I'm a huge nerd. I'm a uh, I'm very interested in like the internet culture of the late '80s, early '90s, and um, I am interested in it because it was a frontier, because it was very uncharted territory. The majority of people didn't necessarily have access to it or know how to use it. So it was up to the people that were very interested in it and passionate about it to kind of create the communities and the spaces they wanted. What, so, what like, is it exactly? Um, so Web 3.0 is the proposed like next step. Web 2.0 was coined in like around 1999 to 2004 it was the idea that the world had moved on from um kind of static very unmoving desktop pages uh, designed for information consumption um and it it, it moved to user-generated content um yeah you can kind of kind of see uh, basically it's like the idea is that it, if you can remember what a web page looked like in the early 2000s and what it looks like today, that was the, the difference between Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. So what I was talking about... So what's Web 3.0? Web 3.0 is the idea that um, instead of having a very centralized or, um, you know, like here's Facebook and everything branches out from there. There's Instagram over here. There's... Um, whatever the fuck else they own over here, all of that sort of stuff. And it kind of branches on and on. It's, it's decentralized. The idea is that so, it's like, oh, this is exactly user generated content. I, I didn't know there was a name for web 3.0, uh, but, this, but is, this is what you were talking. This is exactly about. what I was talking about. Decentralization. For example, 
uh, for video, um, back in the day, we used to have uh, LimeWire, right? Actually, mm-hmm. I actually have LimeWire here on my desktop. Do you really? a, yeah, uh, you can still use it if you figure out how, oh, but I, I've got shit. it here on my desktop. But So back in the day, we had LimeWare, which is like a P2P. They allowed people to share Peer files to between, yeah. Yeah, between their computers. Well, okay, and... After that, we, you know, obviously that's not usable anymore for legal reasons. But then, then legally, they changed the rules on us. Here came out crypto, right? So now we have cryptocurrency. But the awesome thing about cryptocurrency is that the model has been applied to many different things, like the blockchain model. For example, Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency was applied then to other things, like, for example, communication like Discord and Proton Mail. And all of these other types of communication that well, are that are Proton Rachel. Mail has been around since before cryptocurrency, right? Or and, and, probably and since the beginning. Onion browser. What what I mean is like so now I've recently reallocated all my YouTube videos. Now they're all being uploaded to. Have you heard of Library or Odyssey? Mm-mm. Oh no? yeah, I've heard of Odyssey, but only because you use it. Yeah. So on, on Library is pretty awesome. Uh, it's it's essentially peer to peer, but for video content. So now you can essentially download uh, or upload your videos to everybody's computers and it lives everywhere and you can be paid in cryptocurrency. So and I actually created a an account with Bitrex, which is a a cryptocurrency conversion tool so that I can earn cryptocurrency on Odyssey. Um, it's actually really for awesome. Use for uh, advertising revenue. Uh, yeah, and for, for using the webpage itself, so I'll pull it up right now. Um, you can see, um, and it's honestly pretty, pretty awesome. It's, it's, it's like YouTube. Everything I upload to YouTube automatically transfers to Odyssey, but it's peer to peer. So it works like LimeWire or, and it has blockchain built into it. So there's a thing called a wallet, um, says here your wallet right so mm-hmm. i can click on my wallet and i can show you kind of what it looks like so right now i've earned these many you know uh cryptocurrency coins or whatever you want to uh, which cryptocurrency is it you know so this uses its own cryptocurrency uh, called, yes. yeah and so then that you can convert to bitcoin so this one's called lbc which is library coins and then you can convert those to whatever you want so okay so like i said i'm kind of a nerd and i was in maybe 2010 2011 really interested in cryptocurrency this is before a lot of people had kind of figured out about bitcoin it was worth maybe about a dollar a coin and i was fucking stoked on it i found out about it because i got really into the deep web or the dark web at the time and i I was looking at pages and people were talking about using Bitcoin to buy, you know, drugs and illegal things. And I was fucking, oh God, 12, 13. I didn't have any use for that. And I could get weed from my friends. So I just didn't (laughs) care. Um, So, but what I did care about was the idea of Bitcoin. And I had read enough science fiction to know that a currency that could exist outside of the existing financial structures was a fucking game changer. You cannot trace it. You cannot. You cannot see. You know, follow the money trail. 
Bitcoin. You can't do any of that shit. If, if I hand you the Bitcoin or if I send it to you through an exchange program, maybe you could trace it. But if you scramble it enough, it's just numbers. It's just a fuck ton of numbers. Yeah, it's outside of the uh, realm of uh, of what the government, you know, the government can't put their little greedy hands on it. And it can't it, be regulated. Yeah. It can't. Yeah, it can't be taxed. It can't be any of those things. So it's like the perfect like if I wanted to send if I had family in Mexico, for example, and I wanted to send them cash like I had a teacher who was sending his family money to Mexico and he had to wire it through Western Union and pay a certain exchange fee. And I was like, Nestor, buy Bitcoin, <laughs> send it. They'll exchange it back into pesos. You lose nothing. <laughs> like, because you don't lose anything in the exchange rate. Well, okay. Anyway, so back in the day, I had maybe about $100 worth of Bitcoin, which was about 100 Bitcoin. And if I still had that today, I would be a millionaire? No, you'd no, be beyond that, that, I think. Yeah. You, you, I think you'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I could have been a billionaire, everybody, but I <laughs> gave it up because I gave away a bunch of different Bitcoins to my friends. And I was mining on my fucking laptop. Like, I mined a whole Bitcoin on an underpowered Lenovo in 2010. And um, that was, like, the craziest thing to me. Um, okay, so, uh, for those of you who don't know, there is an algorithm that is used to generate well, not generate, um, to do the math to find out uh, the number string that goes into a Bitcoin. It's a lot of complex things, and it's used by multiplying and dividing things a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways that are supposedly impossible to duplicate. Um, they did the math right. It was done by some very, very smart people. I am vastly oversimplifying it. But long story short, there is a finite, limited amount of Bitcoin that can be mined, right? And the more that you mine, the more that you generate, the harder it becomes to generate or mine another one. So the idea of you being like printing money, I mean, it, yeah, technically you kind of are, but it's like, if you think about it, there's already only going to ever be so many Bitcoins in existence. There's already only ever going to be so much gold, silver, whatever in existence. You can only extract so much. So the thing about Dogecoin that I mentioned earlier, which about is that how Elon Musk was like, which is a cryptocurrency, that Elon Musk recommended and that that kind of somehow got folded into the whole Wall Street bets fold because it's a based on a fucking meme that's why right yeah. Like, yeah 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 exactly well kind of Elon um basically said everybody going that drove the price up a little bit um and then drove the price up on something that is not finite so dogecoin can be um there's already like a, a, a like a, a certain number of it generated every day, like and it always will be because of the way that the algorithm's written, which means that the currency is going to be devaluing itself constantly. Like it's not it's not going to to retain its value. Bitcoin at a certain point, there will be no more that we can ever possibly fucking extract, or will it'll be so hard to generate a Bitcoin with the computer processing thing that it, it'll be basically like we can't print it anymore anyway that's not the point point is he went on and bought like what was it 20 million dollars worth of bitcoin not dogecoin bitcoin who elon musk because elon musk did because he saw he's an opportunist he saw that he could drive all these people into doge and then buy up 
Bitcoin while it was kind of relatively low or whatever. A lot of people are kind of seeing the writing on the wall now with cryptocurrency. And like, you know, it's been going up and a lot of people said it was a bubble. Like I remember in 2016 when it first kind of started spiking, everyone's like, oh, it's a bubble. And then I was like, no, I told you so. So the problem that I realized with Bitcoin when I was, you know, in back in 2012 was that um, a currency is mostly stable, right? How much is a Coke worth in U.S. dollars? Uh, like a, two dollars now, I guess. Like a dollar. How much shit? is a Coke worth in Bitcoin? You know, it's gonna be point zero zero some shit. Yeah, you don't know because it's not a currency; it's a speculative thing. Yeah, but you know, th- from what I know, like I I looked into Bitcoin, like the birth of Bitcoin, and essentially, well, one, the dude who invented Bitcoin went to jail. And Satoshi then, Nakamoto. Yeah, and then came out of jail, and now like. Basically, the government didn't want a private organization to have been the creator of a cryptocurrency. The government wanted to create its own cryptocurrency so they can have, obviously, backdoors and manipulation to the currency, oh, right? Yeah. So, But that didn't happen. So they tried to send Shit. the dude away, but it didn't really work. The goal of Bitcoin, I think, was for it to become a stable currency that you could actually mm-hmm. use for everyday stuff, right? Like it wasn't like right. a, it wasn't supposed to be like a hedge, like a investment like type a, of you a know cur- uh, stock. It's not so supposed to be like a brought stock. into the stock market right now as an ETF or an electronically traded fund, or at least that's what I've heard. Yeah, I and it, that shouldn't be wrong. the case. It should what it should that be should not be the case. It should be where I can walk up to the grocery store with my phone and use a cryptocurrency app to pay for goods, and it should be where people have accepted cryptocurrency bitcoin specifically as a payment for goods and services you know what i mean so i just did the math if i still had all the bitcoin that i bought i would have 4.8 million dollars which is a long shot from a from a billionaire but that would be really fucking nice to have (laughs) (laughs) i would buy you a car if i had that much money don't buy me a car (laughs) buy me a plot of land or something (laughs) yeah i'll buy you a house don't buy buy me a house buy me a plot of land (laughs) <laughs> Let me find my Bitcoin my Bitcoin wallet. <laughs> oh man. This is how all this stuff starts, you know? Like I'm part yeah. of this Odyssey thing and I've got like ten dollars worth that I've accrued. So I like I'm not putting money in it. I'm just mm. waiting f- to see how much money I can you know generate on yeah, there. Generate. But I mean ten dollars now might be like what if that thing blows up? You know what I mean? Mm. I'm gonna end up like you. Like I'm not trying to sell those. I'm going to just leave them there, leave them in my wallet. Diamond so hands, you know, you know baby. What I mean? <laughs> Diamond hands. So, yeah, so that was the thing is that – What am I going to do with 10 bucks? you know? <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin got turned into that. Bitcoin, that was the big push. and Everyone said it was a bubble. You know, it was going to crash. They were investing in it. They were not, they were not using it as a currency. Yeah, I think of it this way. Like you, I, this is my perfect analogy for Bitcoin, and I think you're going to like it. Think of it this way. Think, imagine that you're driving on the road, right? Mm-hmm. And imagine if the main highway has a lot of traffic, right? So now you're like, fuck, we need a shortcut. So you go on Google Maps and you're like, fuck, let's get to the shortcut, right? So you you do a, a little, you know, a different route. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Another 150 people thought of the same fucking shortcut. Now everyone's taking the shortcut. You know what I mean? Now the highway is open. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's the thing is that like... People are buying out. People are are investing into cryptocurrency. They're like, oh, wow, bro. This thing's going to blow up. 
Let's invest now. Well, it already so we can get rich. It's already blown out. Everyone, that's the thing is by the time that by the time that you hear it as a household, like this is going to be the next big thing. It's already too late. It's already too late. Like, yeah. like you know, exactly. So like this is what the same thing I'm saying. Like 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 how how is it possible for for that to be happening? You know, like how is it that everyone thinks that they're being authentic and individual, right, with their decision making process? But how is it that they all end up in the same fucking place doing the same thing? Like, humans are very predictable. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. We're also yeah, yeah, exactly. We're just we're herd animals. Man. So instead of people using cryptocurrency how it's intended, which is to buy goods and services to trade it, you're supposed to you're supposed to have gold. The only purpose of fucking Backed. gold it, 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 is so that you can trade it. Like if we all had gold coins in our pocket right now, mm-hmm. you know, we would be like, yo. Well, I mean, like. That's the thing is it's a social contract, right? That is we've we've also determined that gold is worth what that point and like gold is a very stable thing usually but like you know, I mean, what is gold really worth? You know, is it a very tough metal? Can I make a knife out of it? Can I survive with it? When it comes down to that, it's like what value, what worth are we giving it? You know, like uh, I think that it's it's interesting that that it's like the whole idea of backed currencies. Well, back in like Burger King let out a promotion where you could get one free Whopper with a with a coupon. So for briefly there, Burger King had a currency that was backed by something, and the United States dollar did not because it's no longer backed by gold. It used to be you could go in and you could go to the Federal Reserve and you could hand in a dollar and say, hey, I want a dollar's worth of gold. Give me my gold. And they would give you the gold and you could walk away. But, you know... Now, like Burger King briefly had a, a currency that was more stable and powerful than the American dollar. You know, it's That's, what's crazy that like, OK, so the analogy of gold is the same as Bitcoin because it's a limited resource. There's only so much of it. So right, why right. the fuck do people hoard it? You know, like it's not it's a, it's it's not a designed perceived for that. value thing. It's all made up. It's not real. It's not designed for that. It's designed for trading. You know, like, yes. well, why do people yes. hoard it? Why do people think of it as stock? Well, that's the other thing is that like people lose it you put it down and like on a bitcoin wallet on your flash drive and i'm sure i have a bitcoin somewhere that i don't know where the fuck it is and that's forty eight thousand dollars that's sitting on a flash drive somewhere in my house (laughs) but i don't fucking know where it is and it's not real is it actually forty eight thousand dollars sitting in a suitcase and unmarked you know non-sequential bills even if it was unmarked unsequential bills even if it was unmarked unsequential bills what does that even mean? It's just fucking paper in a right. box. It's paper. Mm-hmm. It's paper in a box. Like it's ridiculous. But And it, that's the thing, is that's what people have realized. That's the whole crux of this Wall Street bets issue. Is that people realize that there's a whole bunch of paper sitting in a massive box in New York City and that they can by moving a couple numbers around, they can fuck with it. You know what else is funny about all of this? That recently during the coronavirus pandemic, um, there's been a lot of corruption involved in handling pandemic aid money like cares act and shit like this right so one of the things that's really funny to me is before the pandemic we were at market highs you know unemployment was really low we were doing really well and then what happened fucking coronavirus right so people like shit gets fucked and things get you know pretty bad so so now there's these cares act packages that are like trillions of fucking dollars that are just like, oh, $1.2 trillion. We're going to send this money here. We're going to send this money there. We're going to send it to Nicaragua, Honduras. We're going to send it to blah, 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 blah. And then you peasants, uh, y'all get like 
600 bucks how's that mm. it's ridiculous you know what i mean so mm-hmm. one thing that i find funny about this though is that previous to where we started our money our total currency in the market was like four to five trillion and now it's like a ridiculous like about to be eight trillion we almost doubled the amount of money that is in circulation in one right. year so that means that all of the unemployment money that's been handed out all of the pandemic money that's been handed out which mostly went to big ass companies and corporations that mm-hmm. had nothing to do with the everyday guy or the businesses that were failing or the restaurants that couldn't pay rent has nothing to do with those guys this money went to like other random shit like fucking i don't know museums and shit like this it, it's really ridiculous so now all, all this money went to where nowhere and now we've created inflation our money we fucking doubled it it's no longer four to five trillion it's like eight trillion in circulation you know what i mean yeah we devalued our money and there's ways to deal we basically i mean if you've ever heard somebody make the argument like print more money like that's what we fucking did we just printed more money and like there's ways to combat inflation there's like there's things that you can do I don't remember what they are right now, but well, nowadays we don't even have to print it. We just put fucking zeros and ones in a computer somewhere. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why it's okay because you can kind of remove a certain amount from like circulation, and it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, but for how we long? We just kind you know of I mean? if we move some, we move some numbers around, and we're gonna all be okay. You know, <laughs> for how long before we fucking figure out well, that? Well, hey. that's the thing is that how I mean, like we've we've had our our kind of society got pushed around quite a bit this year. You know, people's limits have been tested, and we saw like I mean, all it took was one pandemic for a bunch of you know people to have free time and no jobs and finally be able to say fuck you. Like I like to think of it this way. Don't like this. I, I like to say like all right. People, you know, people got hit by the pandemic. But that's not necessarily true. You think about it. Mm-hmm. R- regular everyday people suffered, but nobody else oh, that yeah. suffers, oh, yeah. they people, didn't suffer. Rich people have had a completely different – like I'm seeing even some of my friends that I went to like college with. They're fucking going to Tahoe and traveling and flying internationally. And people that had money, they, they they doubled up, bro. Like Jeff Bezos yeah. is twice as rich before the pandemic. And Twi- he's already so fucking rich that you could like literally work uh, a normal like high paying salary job for like 6,000 years and you would never have as much money Yo, as him. Yo, Jeff Bezos recently stepped down as well as CEO of You know why he Amazon. did that? It's, he did that so he can stand there in the back of the fucking boardroom and go like this. He's got no need anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing: is that he doesn't. He's tired of having his image be this big evil billionaire that's hoarding money and treating his workers poorly. Yeah, that's he, why. That's like, why Bill Gates. A lot of people uh, have talked about him. Him being interested in like um, his Hollywood persona. Like I've heard a lot of chatter about that. So don't be surprised if 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 
Jeff Bezos gets into movies or gets into kind of, or all of a sudden he starts doing a lot of real nice shit because he cares about his image. Oh, you mean all of a sudden he's going to become a philanthropist like Bill Gates? Yeah. Watch, watch. Oh, so all of a sudden he's going to... That's the thing is he's he's going to be... on his terms. He donates money to his own company right now that he gets to write off as a tax write-off, but it just goes all into Amazon R&D. So all of the money that he's getting to fucking like write off all that shit and like not pay taxes and not, you know, recontribute to the local economy of America that we fucking made him and it's completely legal and he gets away with it. <laughs> but like the thing is he's stepping down because he doesn't want to have that kind of scrutiny on him. He doesn't want to have low key you know, dude, people talking shit on him. Low key I'd rather he, have but he's still going to have the same amount of control. I'd rather have a Jeff Bezos who is like a fox, you know, like he's telling you I'm going to eat you like I'm hungry. You know what I mean? Like you can recognize mm-hmm. the threat. He's Jeff Bezos. He is Amazon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus a Bill Gates, which is, which is like a you know like he, a wolf he, he, he yeah exactly like I, I don't know about that. You know I I don't know would I rather have the philanthropist who is pretending to have all good intentions towards the the rest of the population versus Jeff Bezos was just like hey I'm just you know I'm just capitalizing off of you morons. Like, you know, just keep buying stuff and I'll be happy. Like, I'd rather, I honestly would rather have the Jeff Bezos because he's more identifiable, you know what I mean? Where Bill Gates, on the other hand, like, yeah, he he does, he's just into weird stuff. Like, why is he so eugenic-like, you know? Why why does he have so much fucking, uh, why is he so obsessed with vaccination and why is he obsessed with global population and these things? Like, why is he so weird like this? I gotta plug my phone in real quick, but plug it in, boy. We have some wild people in the chat too. Who the? <laughs> Yo, I let Bill Gates spit in my mouth. That's wild. Zaddy Gates, give me that money. Somebody in the chat said I let Bill Gates spit in my mouth. <laughs> Yo, you wildin'. <laughs> that is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, man. So, what were we saying? Where's the chat? Oh, is it on the screen? It's on the screen, I've been but trying to you, read that. you can't fucking, see it. It's, it's fucking tiny, bro. It's There's tiny. <laughs> I can see it on my. If you were in my studio, you'd be able to see it on my screen here. All right. All right. But uh, we'll 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 get a we'll get a one in one when you ever come down to L.A. So we don't have to do it over sure, Skype. Yeah, dude, I'd love to do that. Yeah, thanks for being our one, our one viewer. I think I can see that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll fucking uh, you know, I I do want to visit. Obviously, not right now because I have a baby, but I do want to visit yeah, the Bay Area again and do stuff up there and ride my bike around and stuff. I miss Golden Gate Park. I miss dude, Sutro Forest. Nice. I'm I, trying to build know. a mountain bike right now. We gotta go get some trails in. Yeah, man, I love it. You know, uh, they're, the guys out there are really awesome, and everyone who rides bikes is pretty awesome. All the bike shop dudes are pretty awesome. So it, that doesn't mean that there isn't anything going on down here, but, I mean, you know. El- actually, during the pandemic, I'm sure you know, bike shops did pretty well. Like, you know, pe- oh, people oh boy, bought a lot of bikes, and it got a little out of hand. You know what I mean? It was kind of mm-hmm. crazy. So Yeah, so- it's definitely out of hand. Like, we don't have anything to sell. Like, our racks are fucking empty. We've got, like... We've got our pretty much. We only have stuff that's over a thousand dollars in the shop right now because everything else has been bought. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And like, uh, you know, 
for for me at the shop, um, I kind of moved away from because in LA there's a lot of big box stores like like Mike's Bikes and Performance and all these things, you know. And there's bike shops that sell Specialized and Trek and all these main brands. So I kind of stayed away from that a little bit, and I'm, I'm more of a just a like a repairs focused custom bike builds focused kind of bike shop so i'm more right, into right. like the manual labor the custom building and stuff well, i feel like you're probably doing pretty well right now too because everybody has a bike that needs to get fixed or everybody's trying to find a used bike or get one built up right so this is why, why i want to focus on that i don't want to compete with the other guys you know there's already a million no. guys selling a million bikes and you know i'm sure you know that this is my prediction for not just for bikes but for oh shit somebody dropping cash but this is <laughs> what yeah, this is uh uh <laughs> what was the fuck was i say oh yeah uh my prediction for what is gonna happen uh pretty soon uh in terms of everything that's happened to with money involved in the pandemic and what i mean by money i mean mm-hmm. there of course restaurants were hit pretty fucked up like they can't sell shit and they can't Damn. you know they yeah. they got fucked but for the guys that they were able bugged. to do stuff like bike shops and even car mechanic shops are probably doing pretty well and like other types of repair shops. So all of us, I, I think you, you're going to notice that we sold too many fucking bikes last year. Way too many bikes. Like everybody's grandma and baby daddy has a bike right now. You know what I mean? Market's pretty yeah. saturated. So yeah. the market well, is the extremely is saturated. <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen to the price of bikes this year? It's going to devalue well, it. The thing is that, like, there's still not the supply and there's still a lot of demand. So I feel like there's people that have been looking for bikes for a while. And I feel like if this pandemic keeps going on, because it's one of the only things you can do, like, legally, like, you're just not allowed to do anything else. And and a lot of people are fucking, like, don't want to take the bus, don't want to do all that stuff. Um, so, like, bikes, transportation, bikes, freedom. That's what I mean. So, like, I think, so wait, so you don't. Because my prediction was that maybe maybe bikes were going to become less valuable in the coming year because too many fucking people bought too many bikes. So you're going to see them on OfferUp. You're going to see them on Facebook Marketplace, on Craigslist and shit yep. like this, yep. right? Yep. Oh, but you think that we haven't fulfilled the gap? You think maybe there's more? To, there are more people trying to buy more bikes? Oh, yeah. I think until like shit really kind of closes down, like like till everything's back open, that I think that's when people start selling their bikes. You know, damn, because people are going to think that they're still going to ride it. You know, people are going to be like, oh, I got that bike over there. Like, I should probably get out. I feel like it, it's going to take until we're out of shelter in place to fucking. Well, hopefully you should so we can make more money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm also looking forward to like people having bought a really expensive, nice bike and then not using it and then selling it for cheap because bikes are cheaper now and then being like, let me get that. <laughs> And you're riding your bike right now for work or just for fun? Uh, just like I've been doing a lot of the longer ones. I've been doing like the Mount Tam, like the 60 mile, 50 mile road rides. Um, Sick. I yeah. haven't rode my bike for shit, but I, I definitely <laughs> want to. I want. I just been commuting to you know back and forth from the shop, but I mean the shop is like fucking two, two blocks from your house. Two blocks away, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, how do you know that? <laughs> I've been, I've been to your house. I'm just messing around. <laughs> yeah, so you know what I mean. Like, in in the near future, hopefully, you know, you know, everything gets easier. And but hey, with everything that's happening, like you know, politics being topsy turvy, money being topsy turvy, 
the one thing that we can rely on is that the homies are still going to be around. People, yeah. We're probably still going to do whatever we do. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, you know, we're going to just still. my people. Exactly. Like, you know, we're still going to conversate about different topics. We're still going to keep an eye out on the public, you know, the public I, realm. I consider myself really lucky that I got to see you and your brother um, pre-COVID, like literally the week before. I know, right? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That was that was a blessing. That was nice. And I I haven't had a DJ gig for like since then. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the wor- the world of music is also just flat. You well, know what I mean? I mean, it's crazy because I've heard a lot of DJs doing live streams and like trying to transition to that. And I actually watched like a three day live stream event, and it was nice. I was like, I when shit gets back to normal too, would be down to just sit and watch people live stream DJ sets. Like that was great background noise, but it's definitely not the same as like being in a club somewhere with visuals and you're drunk and you're like, <laughs> whoa, that was a crazy fucking mix. Or, that was a crazy fucking breakdown and yeah it's, stuff it's like changing that. but you know recently um what was it like last week or whatever finally after the stay-at-home order was lifted there was a few private events that i dj'd at in the outside la areas not not within la county because i think there's still some restrictions here but like other places outside of the la county i was able to go out there and do uh do some music events here and there and it was it was chill i mean there wasn't a lot of people there was still a lot of uh protection that you needed to you know of course social distancing and the mask and all this but at least there were people out and man i can tell people were thirsty for like for human interaction you know what i mean like everyone was hella friendly like people were talking about different things and it was just incredible like to see how how hungry people are for human interaction you know yeah yeah i was at like a i was at a like a bar just picking up my food because one of my favorite restaurants is in the bar kitchen. And this girl comes up to me and she's just shit house. And she's like talking and her mask is like off and on and off and on. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, wow, like she's really cute and she just wants to talk to me. Like, I'm okay with that. But part of me in the back of my mind is like, yo, she's really close and she's not wearing a mask. Like, this is kind of sketchy. I don't know where she's been. There's, like, new variants out or whatever. But, like, that was just so... I, I, and then in that moment, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm worried about this, but I'm not. Like, why am I conflicted about this right now? It was funny. Anyway, yeah, it, I just took my food and left. But it was just wild to see everybody, like, you know, like, we've all been following it for so long. I feel like that people are really burned out. And, like, right now, I think it's kind of dangerous because, like... I mean, <sighs> have you seen it like, in fuck. the LA area, like, you know, prior to this last month or so, um, there was like a fuckload of par- big, humongous parties, bro. Like where the sheriffs yeah. and the LA County sheriffs yeah, came bro, and raided, it came out on the news and shit. shit. Some of my friends yeah. got raided there, got busted. And it was just no like way. <laughs> hundreds of people in the warehouse and shit, you know, strippers and shit. Ridiculous kind of stuff, yeah, you know, um, LA fucking does not play around. Neither does the Bay Area. It happened out there as well. Like Oakland, East Bay. There's like random illegal warehouse parties and underground. Like if you know the circuit, like if you've been around the underground scene, man, these after hours things never stop. You know what I mean? No matter what, like these people are going to continue on. So in case you're wondering why some of it, first of all, like for me, I don't have too much concern. But of course, I have to take precautions. I'm not going to, you know, like I like to think of it this way. Even even though I may not or may feel like the concern or threat is real or not, at the end of the day, 
you still have to take the precaution just uh, in case. You know what I mean? In case you're I mean, wrong. Like, for me, it's like, yeah, the threat's fucking real. Like, the science is there. They can't really just make up all that data. Um, that being said, like, I'm like, this is a fucking sketchy situation. Like, people are making a lot of money off of this pandemic. You know, people I, are making a lot both, of you know? money off of this vaccine. It's probably yeah. both. You know, it's probably real, has affected people, and people are co- making money off of it and well, capitalizing. Well, I mean, it's fucking, like, I'm not denying it or saying that it's bullshit or anything like that, but... Like, I don't know. I think I got really lucky because my 95-year-old grandma who lives in L.A., she got it. My aunt, who's like 60-something, got it. My cousin, who's 30-something, and he got it the worst. My my grandma just fucking shrugged it off. She's a fucking savage, bro. She just took that shit on the chin. She was fine. And then my <laughs> aunt said, like, she was really sick for a little while. My cousin said he he didn't move for, like, three weeks. He was out of it. He was, like, comatose. He said it was brutal. You know, That's so crazy. it affects everybody different. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And I'm sure a lot of us have already got it and we don't even know, you know, maybe. You know. I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I have to have, you know, yeah, like this is, I've no. been so exposed. <laughs> I've been working this whole you time. Know, my like, hometown, you know? my hometown came out on the news. Um, Linwood, California, uh, recently. Shouts out. Two days ago, came out on the news uh, for having the highest mortality rate and the highest infection rate of any city in california <laughs> is linwood is linwood what demographic is linwood predominantly uh you know the the linwood demographic is going to be 80 percent hispanic uh 19 percent black and like one percent other <laughs> yeah bro i mean <laughs> i mean it's just fucking crazy because it's like i feel like you can kind of look at it the i feel like the hispanic populations the black populations got really hit hard yeah and i don't well, think it has shit. anything to do with genetics i think it just has to do with the uh with access the, to healthcare you know, and certain yeah other other like uh, structural elements they, like in, that's the thing that's what we're talking about how you know i don't want to insinuate anything but like rich versus poor you know the rich people are going to have the easiest fucking pandemic ever well the poor people got to go out and work and like i don't know what the median income in linwood is but the worst bro linwood is one of the worst places because it's got the shittest pay and it's got the highest cost of living a house in linwood costs like five hundred thousand to a million dollars and everyone makes less than minimum wage or at least minimum wage i would not pay a million dollars for a house in linwood hell no like somehow you know a lot of these houses are people that got grandfathered in maybe they bought these houses in the 90s or some shit you know but now like it's ridiculous bro and like it's so overpopulated. There's way too many people in that little area. There's just no way, dude. Like you, you go to Linwood now, and it's it's ridiculous, bro. It's like there's no parking anywhere. There's like a million people per house. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, really it's really out of control. But uh, you know, and to the point that they've made it on the news, and I'm part of like uh, other groups like uh, Facebook, like you know, like there's like neighborhood watch groups and stuff. Like it, the crime is rampant there, bro. I'm ta- I'm talking like murder is literally up seventy percent around here. Like people are that's fucking wild. People's is it just Robin season, or do you think it's worse? No, nah, dude, it's it's everything. People are desperate. People are stealing catalytic converters. They're they're doing just licks. Or Bay Area, they call oh, like, we're gonna go hit a lick. But down here, Bipping. you know, they're just like robbing people. They're just like Bipping. you know, yeah, violent violence is just up bro it's just crazy mm-hmm. people are bored you know people get bored people don't have money people don't have anything yeah. to stimulate Recipe them for some fucking 
some some shenanigans. Yeah, it's Man, ridiculous. Sure. So they this, the Lin was on, yeah. all over the news right now. As, you know, Linwood is a is the seventh <laughs> worst city in the whole country. It's for the real. Whole country. In the whole country, yeah, the seventh worst. Dude, like, what's number six? <laughs> uh, number six is like somewhere in oh Memphis, Tennessee, and then uh, oh my god, all, all those East Coast <laughs> cities are kind of worse to be honest. All the cold cities, I kind of feel bad for those guys. All those hoods up there, fucking Detroit must be fucking terrible right now. Detroit's you know I mean? number one is the most dangerous city. Detroit, right. that's wild. Detroit's always been up there. St. Louis, Memphis, Baltimore, Monroe. Yeah, Compton was the the murder capital only for a little while until Monroe, L.A. is number five. Danville, Illinois is number six. I mean, I'm sure we just saw like different reports. Oh, Alexandria, L.A. That's like two in the top ten for L.A. That's not good. Oh <laughs> uh, wait, no, that's probably Louisiana. And and the Bay Area. I mean, I recently saw some reports out there from Oakland as well. They're not doing too well either. And San Francisco itself, I hear like there's a theft's up a lot, but I don't know about violent crimes. But theft like, is up, right? Bike theft is up like a thousand percent. I hear about that all the fucking time. People's uh, apartments get broken into. I don't know about catalytic converters. I don't think everything's like quite that gnarly. But I also feel like it'd probably be hard to kind of get away with a catalytic converter and SF. Yeah, like, it's a smaller town. I think it's a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. Out here, the yeah, streets are spread out. More of a maze. Yeah. yeah, you can just kind of book it down the street. Yeah. You're gone. <laughs> now uh, SF is kind of strange for shit like that, but at the same time, SF has other problems. Homeless, yeah, definitely I think- a lot of bike theft. I mean, well, that's the thing is that's interesting. Like homeless, homelessness. Everyone points to like the liberal cities for being like hubs and issues of homelessness. But like, wouldn't you, as a homeless person, want to go to the cities where you get benefits? You know, where you can, like, survive? <laughs> I don't think it has any. Like, I'll tell you my theory on homelessness. And it, I've always wondered this, too. Like, if I was homeless, I'd fucking, I'd go to, like, Tam, Mount Tam or something. You know, I'd hike up there and I'd fucking sleep in the forest and, you know, take my little lunch and shit, enjoy the view. But, like, why do people, why do homeless people gravitate? Like, why is it that the Tenderloin has all the homeless people? Why aren't they at because, Golden Gate Park? You know what I mean? Well, what, you know, because they'll get kicked out of Golden Gate Park. And, like, there are a few homeless people in Golden Gate Park, but there are people that are there by choice, you know? Like, if you think about it, the people that, like, hung out on a hate street and that kind of shit, they're, like, the people that, that they're, they, they think like you and me, you know? And that's the thing. So is what, what gravitates everyone towards the tenderloin? What what gravitates all homeless people towards Because Skidrow? no one will kick them out from there. Nah, it's drogas, my friend. Drogas. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> it's drugs. Like, drugs. Yeah, right. It, fuck. I, I, that kind of was just in my head so like that just went so without saying for me that i just didn't even think of it i know right you were completely right but homeless people go where the drugs are and you know they're not gonna you know they're gonna sleep right next to the the man you know well yeah but if you didn't have a fucking house or a way to get a job to get a house like you'd probably want to do drugs too Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm more of a I'm more of a individualistic responsility type of guy. Where I'm you, more of a yes, libertarian, you, you know. I got I got no remorse for anybody. You have the mindset where it's like you could absolutely, you know, if you were put into that situation, I have no doubt that you could get out of it. Like you it's are not, a very it's not just responsible, that. very it's scrappy not, person. It's not just that. I don't think it has to do with every individual. But I feel like I'll give you I'll give you an example so so you can get like my drift on where I stand on this. Because, you know, we don't always have to agree on everything, but one of the things that how I see homelessness is this. Like, imagine you see 
an old lady, right? Walking down the street. She's got a little cart. She's got some stuff in there. And she's pushing this little cart. And she's struggling. And she's really old, right? And she's, like, out on the street just, like, doing stuff. And you're, like, wow. Like, why is this old lady out here? Why why isn't her family helping her? Like, she's old. She needs help. You know, why is she on the street? Why, why isn't anyone helping her? That's just most people's thought. Uh, that's most people's first thought. My my first thought is, what did this lady do that nobody gives a fuck about her and she ended up on the street? You know what I mean? Why don't her kids like her? Why don't the neighbors like her? Why doesn't anybody like her? You know what I mean? I felt like a lot of the time... That's because you're an asshole, Rick. <laughs> a little bit. But I, this one made by individual responsibility. You know what I mean? I understand Everybody, that. And, You know, that's a good fucking point. That that can also be uh, misconstrued and made into a far too uh, opposing view kind of way where you sure. end up disrespecting homeless people instead of, you know. But, right, like, right. of course, I think, like. I mean, I, I kind of share that opinion a little bit in that, like, I got shipped off to a fucking program. And this is a story for another podcast, but I was basically in a in a young adult thing with like in like Utah with a bunch of other kids that had a various issues. I was there for anxiety and depression, but there was kids there for like addictions to all kinds of things. The thing is that you have to want to change. You have to want to make that change. You have to really go for it and decide that you need to make that decision. And after that, you know, like I, I would be like, you know, you do, like nobody does it goes through life completely alone. Nobody goes through life without help from anyone ever like all of us at some point are going to have to lean on somebody else and like i think that that's that's you know like part of having a community and part of being like that but you need to make the decision to to find your community to find those people that you can rely on to to cultivate those relationships yeah absolutely i think you need uh your inside fire needs to be lit in order for you to pull yourself out of the hole no i i feel it and i think that looking at specifically numbers i think if I had to put my my thumb on it, I think eighty percent of homeless people are there by choice, and twenty percent of homeless people are are in the process of you know either they're in a bad time, they're moving up from somewhere, maybe a terrible tragedy, you know, maybe somebody passed away, they have nowhere to go, you know, who knows? I think there's like a good twenty percent of homeless people out there that are how I describe homelessness without a home, homeless. Right. Mm-hmm. But with the need and the want to have a home. And then there are people that live on the streets. To me, that's not homeless people. That's just people on that's the fucking streets. You live. know what I mean? That's yeah. where they that's where they want to be. They're not homeless. They don't need a home. They don't want a home. You know what I mean? You give them a home, they'll give it away for, you know, drugs, a yeah. dime, you know, for whatever they can get. Yeah. And you tell them, yeah. hey, you can be in this home, but you just got to be on no drugs. And they're like, ah, nah. I take a pass nah, on that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Drugs. Yeah. And I mean, like, I feel like there's, it's very difficult to, to become not homeless. I fully believe that. Absolutely, bro. Everybody's that. on the, on the edge right now, bro. Think about it. Everybody yeah. is on the edge of homelessness at all, mm-hmm. all the time, bro. Even, even everyone I know. It's on the edge of homelessness. Everyone is living. Pay- Nobody has paycheck savings, bro. Nobody yeah, has exactly. savings. Nobody has money in the bank. Nobody, ha- you know what I mean. The resources are cut. And the thing is that we could, we could if if this whole system wasn't designed to make a few people a whole lot of money. Yeah, which is why I think we need to continue 
with all this dog coin shit, all this parlor shit, all this fuck the Dogecoin, yeah. but Bitcoin for sure. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Just just alternatives yes. to everything. I think the more we do that, I think the better off we're gonna be. You know, fucking decentralize everything. Straight up. All Dude. right. <laughs> I am down for decentralize everything. I'm down for fucking hack the planet. We should have this conversation again some other time, but I got to get ready for bed, bro. I'm fucking tired. Yeah, <laughs> no, you look sleepy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't know how you got energy. Uh, I don't, but it's all good. <laughs> no, I'm I'm absolutely revamping the podcasting. Um so I'll be working on a few more episodes. Thanks for tuning in, for checking in with me and uh letting me test out my whole Skype apparatus thing. Of course, so, bro. Yeah, work out the kinks. In Lots the of love to you from San Francisco. You and your family. Say hi to your son for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you'll get to meet him uh, either virtually or in real life one of Hopefully these days. In real life, one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm that, coming down to LA the second I get the shot, so I'll hit you up. Definitely, bro. And let me know, and we'll you know hang around and do stuff like always. It'll be good to see you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Take it easy. You have a good night. Peace you out. Bye.